Good afternoon or good morning, wherever you may be. Thanks for joining us today for our traditional pre-pay-per-view call with Tony Khan this week to discuss Double or Nothing coming this Sunday at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. So just a few quick housekeeping matters in the interest of time and to give everyone an opportunity to ask as many questions as possible. We're going to ask again that you refrain from asking two-party questions. So try to keep them to, to one-party questions. And let's try to keep the questions as best as possible focused on uh, the upcoming Double or Nothing show. And as Robin mentioned, it bears repeating, please make sure your phone is unmuted. So with that, let's get it over to Tony for some opening thoughts, and then we're going to open the lines for your questions. Tony. Hey, thank you very much, Jim. I really appreciate everybody joining us today for the all-media call. Thank you, everybody who covers pro wrestling, in particular AEW. We really appreciate you and would not have had the success we've had to date without all of you. Uh, so with that, I'd love to hear your questions, and I'll try to answer as many as I can. And just really grateful to you all being here today. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Tony. So we're going to start today with Connor Casey from Comic Book, and Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics will follow uh, Connor. Connor, you're up. Hey, Tony, thanks for taking the time today. Um, quick question for you regarding the uh, AEW collision announcement. Um, there, there have been a lot of rumors and speculation. Wanted to get your take on it. Um, is there a plan for a brand split between Dynamite and Collision with your current roster? Well, I haven't given uh, lengthy explanations yet for what I'm planning regarding the future of the roster and how people will be allocated across Dynamite and Collision and our other shows. And it's a great question. I think uh, certainly I could see why wrestling fans all over the world would be interested in that and curious about that. And I think that's frankly by design uh, that we want to build that curiosity in and get people wondering exactly what you're asking. Uh, what's the future of the AEW roster and uh, what does this all mean going forward after Double or Nothing? Uh, so it's really good questions, and it's something we're going to be excited to follow up on. Thank you, Tony. <clears throat> Thanks, Connor. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics is up next, and we're going to follow Brandon with John Pollock from Post Wrestling. Brandon. Hi, Tony. Thanks again. Uh, so we know now that Collision is a new show. Is there any news that you can tell us about uh, the, the future of Dynamite and Rampage? Have, have those been renewed for a new deal with WBD beyond uh, the term that the current deal ends in you know, 2023 or 2024? That's another great question. The scope of the deal as it is, uh, the length is the same. And I don't want to get too deep into those conversations, but I would say the length of the term is the same. And this is an addition to what we'd already put together. Uh, and everybody was really excited about the success of AEW on TV at TBS and TNT. And uh, they reached out to us and gave us this great opportunity. Um, I think it spoke highly of AEW that this show and the idea to give AEW more programming goes all the way to the top to Mr. Zaslav, who is one of the most powerful and intelligent people in all of media on this entire planet. And he likes what we're doing with AEW on TBS and TNT, and it was literally his idea for there to be more AEW on TNT. And I'm very grateful for that. And I think uh, we're going to do our best to make sure 
Collision is a great show and also maintaining great show with Rampage and also trying to take Dynamite to new heights. And uh, that's a great challenge for us we're really looking forward to. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, John Pollock from Post Wrestling is next. I'm going to follow John with a write-in from Taya Valkyrie from Women's Wrestling Talk. John. That's impressive that Taya is both asking questions and competing on the pay-per-view. Very exciting. Uh, all right, and, and with that, next question. <laughs> John Pollock, you up? Hi, sorry about that. Uh, Tony, with Collision running on Saturday nights, I just wanted to get a bit of uh, your thoughts into running on that night. Obviously, it's a very competitive night, and I just wanted to get some of your insight to running on Saturdays. And the other side of the coin, where do you see advantages with running a Saturday night property? It's a great question, John. I am very excited to be running AEW on Saturday nights. I think it's a great opportunity for the company, I believe, to start with the second part of your question about the advantages this brings to AEW, it's a great opportunity for AEW, and I believe that Saturday night is the single best event night for live shows and selling tickets. And so when this came up, I was very excited. And as you can see, we've booked some great venues, starting with the United Center on Saturday, June 17th, and great venues going forward after that. And with the environment that Saturday night presents in terms of being conducive to live events and people going out and buying tickets, uh, we think it's a great opportunity. And it's one of the reasons I was so excited when we were presented the offer for AEW Collision 8 p.m. Saturday night on TNT. Um, I think there are, is, there are a lot of great wrestlers and there are great wrestling shows right now. And I think uh, bringing collision out we need to do something to make it special and a destination show that people are really going to watch and i believe we have plans to do that and there'll be more revealed in the coming weeks but i know there was a lot of great fanfare and excitement about last night's big announcement that the aew collision premiere would take place at the united center in chicago and uh, i think that's the start of rolling out more information and uh getting people excited about what I expect to be a really great event in Chicago on June 17th. And uh, I, I think it's a great question. I, I believe um, there are a lot of positives about Saturday nights, and it's one of the reasons we were excited about the time slot. Thank you, Tony. <clears throat> and now apologies to Nikki Bushi from Women's Wrestling Talk. I'm operating the dashboard here and got some names. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Nikki, not Taya, uh, asked the following question. Since joining AEW, how important is it to have someone like Taya Valkyrie on the roster, which, had, which has so much history in the world, of, or who has so much history in the world of wrestling? It's a great question. Uh, Taya Valkyrie is very experienced, great wrestler. She's been tremendous in the locker room and backstage and is a great wrestler in the ring for us and so far has posed I think the toughest challenge to Jade Cargill in the TBS championship yet. Uh, the gloves are off, the cuffs are off, the restrictions are off at double or nothing this weekend. And her finish, the road to Valhalla, which is also known as the Jaded, uh, 
will be allowed in the match. There won't be any Mark Sterling legal tricks this time, and I think it'll be a great match, and I'm excited for Taya to step up. And certainly this will be, uh, for Jade, a milestone match potentially, but also I think one of the toughest opponents Jade's ever faced, and it's a big rematch, and it should be a great match on Double or Nothing this Sunday on pay-per-view. Thank okay. You. Thank you, Nikki. <clears throat> um, so next up is going to be Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. And Sean will be followed by Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report. Sean, yep. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Tony, you had mentioned in the past that you don't like going against NFL games. How will that change with Collision? Because NFL runs Saturdays, sometimes in the winter. And how will that affect pay-per-views? during football season will they be on sundays or will they go back to uh saturdays and then like do you have a, a plan in order for that it's a great question and it's something we are talking about i generally am not in the business of trying to compete with the nfl once you get to uh december as you see the college football schedule opens up and then there's more nfl on the saturdays and that generally starts around mid-December. I actually worked to leverage that a little bit last year. I did an experiment running a Ring of Honor pay-per-view on that first Saturday where there is very limited college football schedule with only the Army-Navy game and no NFL. Uh, once NFL starts in December, it's obviously that much more competitive of a landscape on Saturday TV. So I, that was definitely one of the considerations, but it's not like we're competing you know, 18 weeks out of the season with the NFL. I think generally across the 18-week schedule, uh, you see that most of the games take place on Sundays or Mondays when we are not running events head-to-head. -head. And it's definitely something to consider as we get into that latter part of the season. Uh, the NFL is truly the toughest competition in the world. And, you know, that'll, that'll be as tough a head-to-head -head matchup as you get. And we've had tough head-to-head battles before going up against the World Series or big playoff games in basketball. But I think this would be the toughest thing we've ever gone against with the NFL. So I'm uh, not not necessarily looking forward to it, but it, it'll be interesting. And uh, I can definitely say that AEW is very much on the radar of the top NFL executives. You know, they've definitely taken notice of AEW and the ratings we're getting and the media attention we're getting. And... Uh, I expect they'll, you know, they'll have another reason to look at what we're doing and uh, be very complimentary of how AEW is growing. Thank you, Sean. Okay, as promised, uh, Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report is next. We're going to follow Chris with a write-in from Ella J, a wrestling gal. Chris? Hey, Tony. I saw some reports circulating that Jamie Hayter might be injured. I was just wondering if you could give us uh, an update on her condition and status for the pay-per-view. Well, Jamie Hayter is injured, and we've been addressing that on TV for several weeks. Uh, you know, the culprit we focused on has been Tony Storm injuring Jamie in that tag match several weeks ago, uh, and... Since then, Jamie has not been competing, and we've referenced it several times in recent weeks on television that Jamie is injured. And she was not cleared to compete last week in a match, and if she was able to wrestle, believe me, I would have loved it because she's a great wrestler and she is our world champion, and 
uh, it was something I wanted to have. I thought last week was one of our strongest shows, and I really liked the Dynamite episode last week, and I would have loved to have Jamie Hayter on it. I think it's one of the only things that could have made it an even better show. And uh, she is injured, and she's ready to compete. She's very tough, and she has said she's willing to get in and fight. And I think that shows what a great fighting champion she is. Uh, but that is true, and it's not anything we've hidden away from. You know, we've talked about Jamie being injured a lot in recent weeks. So, uh, you know, now people are reporting it, but I think it's not anything we tried to hide. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Um, <clears throat> we're going to have a write-in here now from Ella J., from, uh, a wrestling gal, and Amy Nemedy from WrestleJoy will follow. Tony, here's Ella's question. Sabu made his surprise debut last night on Dynamite and will be a special guest enforcer at Double or Nothing. Will this be a one-off appearance, or are there plans to include him in programming beyond Double or Nothing? I think it would likely be a one-off appearance. Uh, a lot of fans were excited to see Sabu. Uh, I don't think he's going to be somebody regularly stepping into the ring to compete, but under the right circumstances, if this goes well, then you know potentially he could come back and make other guest appearances, it was, I think, overall very positively received him uh, coming in and making a surprise appearance. So um, I'd be open to him coming back, but it's not something I see as a regular occurrence either. It was a very special moment uh, to see Sabu. Uh, I got a text from my dad this morning saying, Sabu, a blast from the past, uh, because my dad actually took me to see Sabu wrestle when I was 13 years old. Uh, and the match we saw him in the first time I ever saw Sabu wrestle was Sabu versus Chris Jericho. And it was the only time they ever wrestled. And now they'll be uh, both out in the same ring and Sabu will be the special enforcer for the unsanctioned match, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. And I thought it was a, a very cool full circle moment. Thank you, Ella. Uh, Amy Nemedy from Russell Joy is next, and we're going to follow Amy with Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone. Amy. Hi, Tony. Thank you for taking the time. Speaking of full circle moments, I want to talk about the Four Pillars AEW Championship match with MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and Jungle Jack Perry. All of these contenders have been with the company since the first year, many of them since the very first Double or Nothing. They all have championship accolades standing behind them. I'd like to know how this match came together, as well as your thoughts on the Pillars themselves and their growth in AEW as homegrown stars. Thank you. Well, I, it's a great question. I think we were looking for a, a top contender and somebody who would be a great opponent for MJF. And in doing so, we found three great opponents, and three people we really like. Uh, they've all been great stars here, like you said, essentially from the beginning, from the first year and really the first summer that we launched. Um, and I think Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and MJF all represent the future of, M of AEW. And I think um, really when you look at the match on paper, it sounds like a great wrestling match, but it means so much to the company, I think, to have four of our really, really truly homegrown stars, people that had not made uh, – a huge international impression yet on television, but people we believe that 
with that TV time, each of them would grow and, and get to that spot. And I think each of them had their own backers and people that thought they were going to do very well, but they've all, each of the four, been people in the plans of the company since the first year. And I think uh, there are different people you could give a lot of credit to along the way for helping these guys uh, get into these positions, the people that have mentored them, helped them along the way, each of them. Um, you know, whether it's uh, great wrestlers like Chris Jericho and Sting and uh, you know, a lot of other people along the way that have uh, done things and helped these guys, you know, pe people including the Umbucks, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, many others uh, that have had matches with these great wrestlers, I think, uh, and help them get to this level. Um, some of them have been in big pay-per-view main event matches before. For others, this is the biggest stage they've been in in some ways. I think to Darby, I mean, he was on one of the main matches on All Out a couple of years ago, wrestling CM Punk in a match that I think was one of the big draws on the show. But uh, for Darby, being out there at the very end of a pay-per-view is, is maybe a little different. And uh, MJF has really grown into that main event spotlight. He had been in a main event before this past year, you know, wrestling John Moxley in the main event of All Out 2020 in a great match. Um, but he's risen to that main event prominence. And uh, for Sammy Guevara, we've seen him out there in the stadium stampede and big matches. Uh, but I think as a singles wrestler, this is his biggest moment, his biggest match. And for, same for Jungle Boy, who I think has been in big matches as a singles and in a team, you know, such as the Falls Count Anywhere match. It was a classic at Full Gear 2021 um, and as a world tag team champion. But for each of them, I think this is their biggest match, their biggest moment, and it just feels uh, like, uh, to me, it's, it's very emblematic of the growth of the company and how far we've come to have four homegrown stars fighting it out for the championship out there in front of a great crowd where we started in the, the same town where AEW launched here in Las Vegas at double or nothing four years later. Thank you, Amy. Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone is next, and following Bill will be Sean Newman from Wrestling Inc. Bill. Hey, Tony. How are you? I'm good, Bill. Thank you for asking. How are you? Good. Uh, so you touched on something earlier that I wanted to go back to. You mentioned uh, the reports of a roster split, uh, sort of keeping that under wraps by design. And it kind of feels like you're maybe doing the same with Collision, especially the premiere episode on June 17th. Can you maybe speak to that as far as... Uh, there's a lot of rumors out there about who will be there, who won't be there. Will you announce stuff as it gets closer, or are you intentionally trying to just build up hype for the show without actually announcing anything specific? <laughs> well, I'm definitely trying to build up hype for the show. And, the you know, right now, obviously, we're very focused on Double or Nothing at this moment. But going forward, as we come out of Double or Nothing, a huge focus to us will be the expansion of our television and AEW Collision. And I think with AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and now AEW Collision, we're going to have three great shows. It's no secret at this point, AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation are 
no longer running, but that is a good thing. And that was part of an agreement uh, with Warner Brothers Discovery to expand our partnership. And that means AW Collision is starting, and it's a great chance for a lot of the roster. Um, what this means going forward, I have been uh, a little intentionally secretive about where this is all going. And I think it's a good thing. Um, I do plan on rolling out more information, more specifics as we get closer to the launch of Collision. But right now, I think we've built great anticipation. And I expect great sales for the first event at the United Center. And then I'm hoping that will lead to a lot of momentum on Saturdays going forward for Collision. And should ha should be that – I think it should be the case that having uh, – more of a TV presence and another two-hour wrestling show in addition to Dynamite now with Dynamite and Collision along with that great one-hour slot for Rampage. Now I think we can do more, build more matches up towards the pay-per-view and also give more people an opportunity uh, to become top stars and get those big match opportunities. So I think uh, AEW, with the launch of Collision, we're going to be a better, stronger company. And as far as who's going to be on Collision, who's wrestling who, what, what's going to happen, and how this is all going to work, as we get closer to it, I will reveal more information. I think it makes sense to uh, focus on Double or Nothing and the build to that great event this Sunday. But I, I think it's also really exciting for AEW that people want to know where this is all going and what's going to happen going forward. Appreciate it, Bill. Sean Newman from Wrestling Inc. is next. And Sean will be followed by Dominic D'Angelo from Ad Free Shows. Sean. Hey, Tony. Thanks for taking the call. Um, NXT Battleground is also this Sunday night. And I know that obviously, you know, WWE and AEW have had a little bit of an unspoken or sometimes spoken rivalry with each other at times. Do you feel like that is, uh, building up a little bit more now with the pay-per-views going head-to-head, -head, or is that feeling creeping up at all in the locker room or backstage? Fair question. Um, I think it's been that feeling from day one since we launched the TV show, um, and it actually probably changed a little bit on April 14th, 2021, and now with this, uh, you know, it feels like the old days in some ways. Uh, I'm very... Uh, I'm always very eager to compete in whatever arena I'm in. And I really love the competition in pro wrestling as long as it's done with some ethical standards. And people running events at similar times, you know, there's I don't know if that's necessarily unethical. I don't have a big problem with it. And I wish everybody the best. And I think um, I expect we will do the best show on Sunday. And I think there will be a big audience for AEW Double or Nothing. But certainly that uh, spirit of competition is something that we've dealt with from the launch of AEW. And I have never really had any problem with it as long as it's, you know, an ethical competition. I don't always think it has been coming from the other side. Thank you, Sean. 
Dominic D'Angelo from Ad Free Shows is next, and Dominic will be followed by Kevin McElvaney from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Dominic. Hey, Tony, thanks for taking the call. Uh, congratulations on all the news with uh, Collision as well as uh, Wembley and all that stuff. Really, really good stuff. Um, I, I'll be in Vegas this weekend for Double or Nothing. Looking forward to it. Uh, I do have a question regarding uh, kind of the creative expansion of AEW as it goes. Um, curious to get your thoughts about, um, initially you said you were, you're still like obviously head booker and all that stuff, but has there been thought to kind of delegating some of the workload a little bit with these new shows debuting and, uh, a lot of, so, uh, a lot of storytelling aspects gets across as you move forward and grow the company further? Well, I will be the head booker going forward as I have been for several years. And I think that with the expansion of AEW television, it means getting more great voices in the room. And I have a lot of great voices in the room, and I could probably use more. And, you know, we've had some new people come in that are helping, and um, I'm trying to build a bigger team and get more voices and more ideas. And then, you know, the more different viewpoints and the more great thinkers that we have, together and we have some really great thinkers that have come into the room recently i think it helps a lot we already had a really good team and a bunch of really strong people helping us put the shows together every week it's a great group of people what you know and, and has been for a long time with you know qt and sanjay pat buck jerry lynn dean malenko uh and uh, a number of other great coaches that come in and contribute ideas uh to the matches and the stories you know madison rain uh, Sarah Stocks come in recently and done a great job. BJ Whitmer does a great job every week. Um, and a number of other people have come in and, and stepped up in those roles recently. Will Washington joined the office and is great with ideas and uh, is another good person to have on the team. I've been leaning on Brian Danielson a lot more recently, and I really like Brian Danielson. I think he can only uh, continue to contribute more and more and more. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met and uh, I really respect him. So there's a number of people that have uh, great ideas, and I want to try and utilize as much of their thought process as I can. And at the end of the day, I have to decide what goes in the shows and uh, you know what ideas we will do and won't do. And I like that. I like the team we have. I like talking to them, and I can't do every idea. And it, you know, even before when we had a smaller team, I couldn't do every idea. Now there's more ideas, and and there's more. TV time, so in some ways I can do more of the stuff and more ideas and, and utilize more different viewpoints. And on the other hand, uh, if you bring more people in, then sometimes it's more ideas that you need to put to the side too. But overall, um, I'm just trying to find the right group and uh, you know get the best of the best from this great team we have. And I think uh, you know we'll only continue to get better there. Thank you very much, uh, Dominic. Kevin McElvaney from Pro Wrestling Illustrated is next. Kevin will be followed by Niger Chambers from Big Gold Belt Media. Kevin. Hi, Tony. Thanks for taking the time today. So Thank you. Have, yeah, yeah. So I have a question about uh, Willa Nightingale and, and competition she might you know, have coming up because she has this new championship she won last weekend. Uh, there's a clip shown on Dynamite. Of course, last night she defeated Mercedes Monet um, and is the first 
New Japan strong women's champion. Um, one thing that's being talked about a little less, the first round she defeated a great wrestler by the name of Momo Kogo from Stardom. Um, you know, Forbidden Doors coming up. Is there any chance we have a Stardom presence on that card, whether that's against Willow or anybody else? I do think there's a good possibility. I was talking to Rocky Romero from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we talked to Ghetto, and, uh, you know, the, New Japan has that great business relationship with Stardom, and I do think it's something we could potentially do. We have such a great roster right now, and I only want to do things that can make it better and expand it. And, uh, and certainly I think the Stardom wrestlers are some of the top in the world, and they could definitely help us and and be great additions you know and i'm also sensitive to the length of the shows trying to keep all the pay-per-views under four hours whenever possible uh thankfully there's not going to be an nba playoff game seven this year so i don't need to do any of the tricks i used last year to lengthen the show that frankly whether anyone likes them or not they work and uh, the show did a huge buy rate and it was the biggest number of late buys at that point we had ever done and i did uh, attribute some of it to having a great lineup of matches still to come later in the night after NBA Game 7 ended because we had record buys late in the night that night. And, uh, you know, when the game ended, there were still three of the biggest matches on the card to come, and that was by design, but it meant doing a longer show than we've ever done. This year I'm not going to have to do that. And uh, in general on pay-per-view shows, that's the only time we've ever done that out of about 16 shows we've done on pay-per-view. And um, I think, uh, you know, going forward, I guess that would be 17, including Forbidden Door shows now. And um, the more uh, shows we do, I think, I believe, uh, you know, we've, we've built a great rapport with our fans. I think people have come to expect that our pay-per-view shows are, are going to be great and people will get their money's worth. You know, the last pay-per-view we did, AEW Revolution, I thought it was one of the best pay-per-views I've ever seen. And fan feedback has been similar. You know, most pay-per-views don't have a match as as good as, say, the Brian Danielson versus MJF's 60-minute Ironman match or the John Moxley versus Hangman Page Texas Death match or the Elite versus House of Black match. And this pay-per-view had all three and a lot more, too. And I think when you buy an AEW pay-per-view, you have high expectations and that's a good thing that we built with our fans and uh this pay-per-view double or nothing definitely has that the next pay-per-view we'll do will be forbidden door and as you said uh there'll be a lot of great wrestlers international stars in particular from japan that i think could add to that show and make it a great show so i am considering a lot of ideas and one of the most challenging things for me please believe me is trying to fit all the great ideas in four hours and even if we don't necessarily always do a perfect, perfect job, uh, I do think we generally get a lot of great action in four hours, and all of our pay-per-views tend to be very, very good, and many of them tend to be great. And I expect the Forbidden Door show will be very, very great. Last year we had a great experience working with New Japan, and I think we can do it again this year. So as far as uh, the stardom involvement, that's not uh, you know 100% in my hands or up to me, but I think they would uh, be a great participant, absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. Niger Chambers from Big Gold Belt Media is next, followed by Steve Fall from 10 Count. Niger. Evening, Tony. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier about great venues, and for a fact, you have held events in some of the best. 
And uh, with Double or Nothing, your annual event, you've made a home in Las Vegas. Um, I, I started to look forward a little bit, and I wanted to know, uh, is there any interest or maybe consideration into moving next year event at the soon newly opened MSG Sphere? Thank you. Uh, well, no, I hadn't thought about that. So tell me, can you tell me about what, what uh, venue is that? Certainly. So, um, you know, if you fly into Vegas, you'll see this new um, venue that they have been working on. It got held up a little bit by the pandemic, um, but it is uh, set to uh, be completed and open come September of this year. And, um, you know, it's right next to the Venetian and it's from the same folks who have designed um, Madison Square Garden and um, their other venues across the world. So it's a very unique event. Um, they're starting to open up with some interactive events, but um, soon to open up for concerts and other things such as pro wrestling. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know much about the venue. We, I think we have a great venue right now with T-Mobile Arena, and it's our second year in a row running there. But certainly it's been great tradition in Las Vegas, and uh, I would be interested uh, to learn more about that venue. I just like learning about venues in general for sports. Uh, so I don't know much about that one, but I'll be interested to learn more about it. I think you've given me something to study now. Thank you, Niger. Uh, Steve Ball from Tent Count is next, and I'm going to follow Steve with a write-in from Joseph Galizia from Wrestling Headlines. Steve. Thank you for your muted. Hello there. I don't know how to use the phone, apparently. Uh, with, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be in Las Vegas for Double Enough. I'm very excited for this. But also, you have Forbidden Door. You have All In. With Collision being added, could we see more pay-per-views? Because I think the fans need it and want it. That is great to hear. Well, I will uh, use what you just said in my quote. Of course, according to you, Steve, the fans need more pay-per-view events and want more pay-per-view events. So uh, that will be a great uh, thesis statement for me. I do think there's potential for that, but uh, it has to be the right economic situation for AEW, and it has to be the right thing for the fans. And if that is what the fans are calling for and looking for, then I'm definitely open to it. I think with the launch of AEW Collision, uh, now having three great TV shows and five great hours of TV, it's something that we could look at and consider uh, but we would also only consider it if it made sense in our partnership with Warner Brothers Discovery and looking to expand and grow that partnership, which has been really great for us and has only gotten better in the past several months. It's really gotten to be stronger and an even better relationship. I think it's probably the strongest the relationship has been since the very beginning of the AEW uh, when we launched. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Thank you, Steve. I'm going to, I have a write-in question here, Tony, from Joseph Galizia from Wrestling Headlines. I'd like to ask Samantha Shipman from the Daily DDT to be ready after Tony answers this following question from Joseph. Sting is absent from this year's Double or Nothing event. Are there plans for the singer's retirement? And if so, is there one final match planned? I am going to try to keep Sting uh, wrestling and active as long as he wants to do it. And 
he hasn't really given me a set time. He's mentioned it at times that, you know, he's not going to wrestle forever. Uh, but truth be told, I would like Sting to compete as long as he wants. And I really think he adds so much to the company. And going forward, as we have more TV shows, more presence on TBS and TNT for AEW, I think having somebody like Sting in the company, who's such a great star, He's such a great asset to the company, a business asset, but also a great person. And we love having him here, and I would love for Sting to stay as long as he could. But certainly, whenever he eventually does decide that it's time for his last match, we would definitely want to make it uh, a big event. And I think it's one of, frankly, the biggest moments out there in pro wrestling right now is Sting's retirement match. I think if you took all the big ideas, and I'm not just talking about NAEW, I mean in the entire world of pro wrestling. If you took all the biggest things and all the biggest ideas and things you could do and put them on paper, I think you'd be hard-pressed to come up with things more interesting than Sting's retirement match or the kind of things that would get fans all over the world more interested or excited. And uh, so it's definitely something that will eventually be a major asset to the company, but in the meantime, I think Sting himself is a major asset to this company, and I don't want to try to leverage his retirement for short-term gains because right now uh, the person that we're getting is so incredibly valuable to the company in Sting. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Joseph. Samantha Shipman from the Daily DDT is next, followed by Nick Hausman from House of Wrestling. Samantha. Hello? Can you hear me? We can. Okay, good. Um, hi, Tony. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. Very well. Thanks for asking. How are you? Doing good, thank you. Uh, I have a question. I know you're trying to keep some stuff about Collision close to the vest, which I completely understand, but after hearing um, Veda Scott doing some stuff with, like, the New Japan Strong, and she did Resurgence this weekend, um, have you considered adding a woman to the broadcast booth for commentary, especially for Collision? And has a broadcast team been decided for Collision? Uh, I have certainly considered using different commentators, including women at different times. Uh, Beta Scott has done a good job for us in the past on AEW. I think she does a great job. And uh, there are a number of commentators I've considered in addition to her. I think the team on Ring of Honor right now is doing an excellent job and would, would also be good for AEW, uh, potentially if they got the call up in Ian and Caprice. Uh, I really enjoy working with Kevin Kelly. And there are some other names that would surprise you and some that would not surprise you. And I think Veda is a great commentator and uh, you know could, could potentially at some point be part of a good broadcast team in either Ring of Honor or AEW or anywhere she chooses to apply her trade and, and it, you know, has done some good stuff with new Japan, I know. And, uh, you know, she's an uh, excellent announcer. Thank you very much, Samantha. Next up is Nick Hausman from house of wrestling, followed by John Alba from fight. Nick. Hey, Tony, can you hear me? Tony? Hey. Can, yeah, hey, I can hear you. Uh, awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time, Tony. Sure. 
Um, so I wanted to ask about Willow Nightingale. She's uh, somewhat surprisingly, it sounds like, the New Japan Strong uh, women's champion uh, because of Mercedes Monet's unfortunate injury. Uh, kind of two-part. I was wondering, does Monet's injury affect anything you had planned for Forbidden Door? And how do you plan to capitalize on Willow now holding uh, this New Japan title? These are great questions. Uh, well, when you go into a tournament with Mercedes Monet in it, she's one of the best wrestlers in the world. I have a lot of respect for her personally and professionally. And I think when you have somebody of her star power in a tournament, you generally assume they're going to uh, have a very good chance to win. So I would say she was the odds-on favorite to be the first-ever strong champion. And I think it's very fair to call Willow's win an upset victory. Uh, and she was able to take advantage of an injury to her competitor to become a champion, which is frankly what pro wrestling is all about. And uh, I think Willow was somebody that we have had in our plans. And that's why I sent Willow specifically my choice to go to New Japan and compete in this tournament. Uh, they asked me for a name. Other wrestling companies were sending their top stars, and everybody was going to send their top star to compete against Mercedes for the inaugural New Japan Strong Championship. I have so much respect for New Japan as a business partner and am friends with their leadership. And as part of being a good, respectful partner, I wanted to send a great representative of AEW. So when I talked to Rocky and Ghetto about it, I suggested Willow. And I think she's come a long way. She had, since we relaunched Ring of Honor, I think maybe, with, you know, to be fair, with the exception of the FTR versus the Briscoes matches, leaving those out because uh, they are very special. They hold a special place in wrestling history, to me at least, and I think to a lot of other people, and because so many of us look back on them fondly, they were already, I think, five-star classics. But now so many of us look back on them very fondly with uh, the way they'll always be tied to the late, great Jay Briscoe, who so many of us love. And I think setting aside those which have been by far, to me, the best things I've been involved with since I purchased Ring of Honor, and those will always hold a special place in my heart. I think looking at everything else we've done, we've done hundreds of matches, many shows now, for Ring of Honor, you know, I think uh, since I, I took over doing the TV show, I think uh, tonight is the 13th episode, I would like to say, of the new Ring of Honor TV, and we've had several great pay-per-views now. It's been over a year. I've run the company. Probably the best one-on-one -on -one match that we've had, one, or certainly one of the best one-on-one -on -one matches we've ever had in Ring of Honor has been Willow versus Athena. It was awesome. It was so great, and it could easily be the best singles match we've had in the new ROH. And I definitely thought it was the best match we had at the Universal tapings. It's just a classic. And I thought it showed how far Willow has come in this company. She's been a part of some big matches. She's certainly considered one of the homegrown stars. She's been, at times, the recipient of some attacks and uh, some chicanery on the part of the outcasts, um, and I thought that Willow is really somebody that is is growing and getting better and better, and, and in the time I've worked with her, I've seen that improvement, and I've seen the fans continue to connect with her more and more, and I thought she could take it to the next level, 
I believe there was a very good chance she would get to the finals and then get in there with Mercedes. We'll see what happens. And, of course, it was a huge upset win. Willow is now the New Japan Strong Women's Champion. It's a huge, huge moment, not just for uh, AEW, not just for Willow, but really for or for Ring of Honor, for that matter, but for all of us. And I thought it was a great win, and I absolutely believe Willow was capable of being a great champion and having great matches, and that's why I chose her to go to New Japan. Uh, now going forward, it does make things a little bit interesting because nobody really knows, besides Mercedes and myself, what was going to happen there and what the future would hold for her, uh, whether uh, that was competing exclusively in New Japan or potentially also uh, whether she'd be at Forbidden Door. And, and, and frankly, now, even going forward, I don't think anybody but her knows when she'll be ready to come back to the ring. But I have so much respect for Mercedes, and I think she has been a great champion all over the world, including in New Japan. And uh, she would have been a great first-ever strong champion, but I think we have a great champion now in Willow, and we'll look to utilize Willow in AEW, possibly in ROH, uh, and uh, also take advantage of that great, beautiful new championship belt that she's holding also. Thank you, Nick. John Alba from Fight is next. John will be followed by Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald. John. Thank you, Jim. Good afternoon to you, Tony. Hope all is well with you. Uh, I want to follow up a little bit on what Steve said before about the future of pay-per-views and everything. Obviously, Double or Nothing, huge, important event for you, as it is every single year. But this year, with Forbidden Door coming up, then we have All In, then potentially All Out. I'd love for some clarification, if you could provide any. Uh, do you have an update on the broadcast status and availability of All In, your premier London event? And will we see All Out on pay-per-view directly after that the following week? Well, it's a great question. Um, I'm, I cannot completely give a, a full answer to that yet. I think it's a, a fine thing to ask, but we're still working on uh, the solution for that event and how we're going to offer it. And I think it's going to be, uh, to date, the biggest event we've ever had in AEW. And right now it's tracking to be the biggest wrestling event ever in England, which is pretty amazing for such a massive country with a massive population and a great history of pro wrestling over many decades uh, to say that we were on pace for such a historic milestone. It's a big deal for AEW. That event's really special to us as far as where it's going to air or where it's going to stream or how it's going to be available. That's something I'm still working on and uh, hope to have uh, good answers for it soon. But there's a lot of consideration to take into account. Uh, when you're doing an event like that. So uh, All In is certainly very much on our radar going forward. Right now, looking ahead to Double or Nothing this Sunday, which will be offered as a traditional pay-per-view. And we've got great pre-buys already. There's a lot of interest in the event. Um, it's tracking very well so far, but most of the buys come in that day of the show. So I believe there's great interest in the event. There's great interest in the championship matches, Anarchy in the Arena, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho, these personal rivalries, uh, and 
should make for a great pay-per-view. And then as far as how the events are streamed or aired or both going forward, that's something, uh, you know, we'll continue having good conversations about. Thank you, John. <clears throat> Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald is next. I will follow Jim with a write-in from Robert Dyer of That's Pop Culture. Jim. Yeah, thank you all. I'm curious with AEW Collision and then obviously Ring of Honor, we have had AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation, and that was a great place to showcase some indie talent who did get signed. And I'm just curious, Tony, if the plan is still to have those shows or to come up with something else, or right now it's just everything is too full and you got Collision and Ring of Honor there going all in right now, that that is uh, something put on the side, or what are the thoughts there? Thank you. Well, it's a great question, Jim. Uh, going forward, AEW Dark and AEW Elevation, at least for the immediate and semi-long-term future, are not running right now, and it's part of an agreement we have with Warner Brothers Discovery now that I can talk a little bit more about now that AEW Collision has been announced, and everyone knows Collision is coming to Saturday nights, two hours. And uh, as a trade, we are not running Dark and Elevation, but it's a great opportunity, in my opinion, for fans to watch AEW's top stars on TV and get more of the stars on TV, and also uh, for Ring of Honor to grow, for a lot of that top indie talent to come through Ring of Honor. And even some of the top stars in AEW are making appearances in Ring of Honor. And we've seen top champions. I mean, some of the best wrestlers in the world hold titles in Ring of Honor right now. When you look at the lineup of champions in ROH with Claudio Castagnoli, Samoa Joe, Athena, Katsuyori Shibata, and the Lucha Bros, along with Brian Cage in the Gates of Agony, it's a really strong lineup of champions. Some of the best wrestlers in the world hold titles in ROH right now. So. It's definitely not a feeder promotion. It's definitely its own great company that stands on its own two feet with over 21 years of history and some of the best wrestlers in the world have competed there. But it's also not the same thing as AEW. It's not uh, five hours of TV. It's a different company. And I believe it's a great opportunity for a lot of indie wrestlers to come in and make their showing. I'm doing an episode of the show tonight of Ring of Honor that's effectively almost like, since it's Double or Nothing Week, it's like a preview of a pay-per-view. You'll see some great matches, some long matches, and a lot of great wrestlers competing on the show tonight. It's also a little bit longer of an episode than I would normally do, to be honest. What happened, uh, and a lot of people now are aware that last night we had Katsuyori Shibata come in to defend the Pure Championship and against his former protege, Alex Coughlin, which is going to be a great match on ROH a week from today. And for the timing of some of the people coming in, particularly Shibata, whose schedule, you know, I want to, I want to maintain uh, for the company, I want to be able to uh, give him an opportunity to be a fighting champion and also work around a schedule that allows him to take care of his body and get ready for these defenses as long as he can continue to hold the championship, which is great for us when you have a great champion like Shibata-san. Uh, so I ended up putting a lot of content into tonight's episode that will run tonight because effectively everything we shot at Universal was 
to run through these past three weeks. And then next week we'll pick up with this new great content we've shot in Las Vegas, including Shibata versus Coughlin, Athena versus Kara Hogan for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship, and a number of other awesome matches I'm excited about. Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, will be coming in and defending the television title next week on TV after he uh, teamed up with Samoa Joe as they try to prove who is the greatest world TV champion. And uh, a lot of very cool stuff happening there. So to your point, Jim, it gives me an opportunity to uh, bring a lot of top independent wrestlers and even people on tryout opportunities into Ring of Honor for some of those chances that might have only existed on Dark before. Um, but Ring of Honor also has a lot of the things you didn't have on Dark, like championships and those kinds of compelling personal rivalries uh, that people want to see. So I think in many ways, uh, Ring of Honor is a great value. And as we go into one of the biggest weekends for AEW with Double or Nothing, I think it's a really exciting time to look at the roster from starting it from the top with a lot of the top names competing this Sunday on pay-per-view and then a lot of other people getting featured on TV and, and streaming on ROH and trying to build a new ecosystem uh, without dark and elevation. Thank you very much, Jim. We're going to get close to wrapping, wrapping it up here. So we're going to finish with two write-ins, Tony. The first one will come from Robert Dyer of That's Pop Culture. Then I'm going to follow uh, Robert after you answer Robert's question with a write-in from Andrew Spores from RushOnRock.com. So first, <clears throat> let's go with Robert Dyer. Is Double or Nothing likely to be the last time we see the Hardy Party together as a team so that Jeff and Matt can start a run for the Tag Team Championship? Well, I'm not sure about that. It's a, it's a fair question. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm standing out here uh, on the balcony in Las Vegas. They have a beautiful balcony, and I'm going to go inside now because it sounds like they're going to do some landscaping. So hopefully this is better for everybody. Uh, I, uh, I'm not sure about that. It's a great question. I think uh, we'll have a little bit more of an update on Rampage about uh, what's next for the Hardys and uh, what to expect on the buy-in with them. But uh, we filmed some great content for that last night, and certainly I'm excited about having Jeff back in AEW. I think it's great for him to be here. Uh, and, you know, as I've said, the only way Jeff could return to AEW and the only path for him to get his job, to keep his job, uh, is um, for Jeff to maintain his sobriety and, and continue uh, what he's been doing. And he's done a great job with that. And that's why. Uh, I was excited to welcome Jeff back in AEW with open arms, and I think it's great for Jeff and Matt for them to be together and have that support system, and they're one of the most popular teams of all time, and I really believe that the fans in AEW uh, love Matt and Jeff and want to see them compete for a long time to come. It's a great question as far as uh, whether their future lies in tag team wrestling or trio wrestling. I think We'll get uh, a little bit more of an update on that on Rampage tomorrow. And then I also am looking forward to, at the pay-per-view, uh, you know, seeing uh, the Hardys out there. I believe they're going to be competing on the buy-in and should be uh, a great time for the fans and great for them to get back out there wrestling in front of the fans after 
Jeff made his return in the firm deletion match, which is, you know, more of a cinematic presentation, I think, uh, for the fans in Las Vegas. They'll be excited to see Matt and Jeff in the ring live. Fantastic. Thank you, Robert, for that question. <clears throat> Thank you, Tony. And one more from Andrew Spores from RushOnRock.com. Andrew asks, how important are Double or Nothing and Forbidden Door in trying to make an impression on and getting the UK and European fans even more excited and pumped up heading into All In later on the summer? It's a great question. I think we want to do great shows and have these great events, and it's important for them to stand on their own. I think I don't want to look forward past this Sunday. I think this Sunday is a really important show, and uh, when we get through this, we'll have a better idea of what the future landscape is going to hold for AEW and what to expect going into Forbidden Door and the new landscape of television with Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision coming June 17th. Collision, the timing of the debut, no coincidence. It's coming and starting up two weeks before we go into the uh, Build Forbidden Door. We've got AEW Forbidden Door uh, launching uh, really the, effectively the night after the second episode of Collision is that pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, you can expect really exciting things culminating going into Forbidden Door, and then should be a great summer of AEW leading into All In. Uh, but I just want to keep that momentum going. I expect we can have a really good show this Sunday with Double or Nothing and then uh, keep that rolling into launching Collision and Forbidden Door. And then we have some other exciting plans for this summer. And uh, I'm really looking forward to some of the big events we have. And certainly there's no event bigger. There's no attendance or... Uh, uh, presentation or anything else for us that's ever going to be able to top what we're doing at Wembley Stadium, but I do think we can keep it going week to week to week and build off it and then use that to continue to build. So um, I think it really all starts with Sunday, and it's very fitting because that's where it all started for us is double or nothing. So it's great to be back here where it all began, literally, in Las Vegas. Fantastic. Tony, do you have any um, <clears throat> final thoughts before we uh, close? Yeah, I, I really excited for this pay-per-view. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to just uh, open and talk, Jim. I really am very appreciative of all the people in the media uh, who joined the call today and also everybody following along. I think it's going to be a great pay-per-view show on Sunday. I'm, I really believe that. Uh, at the last time we all spoke, at length about one of these big AEW events was Revolution, and I believe the event lived up to the hype and was a great show. And some of us reconnected since then for ROH Final Battle. That was a good show too. Excuse me, for ROH Supercard of Honor. That was a really great show too. Uh, and every time we get on one of these, I, I really uh, feel the pressure because I think the wrestling fans and the wrestling media have incredibly high standards in a good way because. There's been so much great wrestling in recent years, and people have come to expect great wrestling. And I know that we're going to deliver that on Sunday. So if you're looking to have your appetite filled or your thirst quenched for great pro wrestling, I think we can do that on Sunday at AEW Double or Nothing. I, hopefully it'll be a great show. And uh, I just wanted to give everybody 
shout out for joining the call today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your coverage and uh, the opportunity to talk to you about AEW and Double or Nothing this Sunday on pay-per-view. Fantastic. <clears throat> Thank you, Tony, and, and uh, thanks, everyone. We're now at the end of our time, so uh, per our tradition, we will be distributing an audio recording to all attendees uh, shortly here. And also, uh, per tradition, just as Tony said, a thousand thanks to everybody for participating today, uh, for all you do to cover and celebrate the wrestling industry, and in particular, AEW. So, again, thank you for being part of today's call. If you're going to be in Vegas on Sunday, we'll see you there. If not, we trust you'll tune in for what promises to be the best double or nothing yet. So, again, appreciate you, and have a great day. Bye-bye.